Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Give the devil. I will not give anybody. I will not give any situation or any circumstance my joy. Say amen. amen. That means none of those factors will determine my excitement. We said that the joyful life is a spirit and word-based excitement and happiness. It's not triggered by the senses. So, who you are, what you go through, what happens to you, should not determine your joy. What should determine your joy is what the word of God says and what the spirit of God is saying. Say amen. amen. So, you need to grow. Tell your neighbor, say you can live a joyful life. Tell your neighbor, say it's a choice. And you can also live a very miserable life. It's also a choice. You can live a moody life. You can, you can decide to have an attitude or live a funny life. That's your cup of tea. But I choose to be grateful. Say amen. amen. I was meditating on Psalm 5 verse 11 and 12 yesterday before I slept. I came outside and I began to run it. He said, um, he said let all those who put their trust in him rejoice. Let those who put their trust in him rejoice. He said, let them shout for joy. That, that, I think, let, let me read it for you. This, this is powerful. Go to Psalm 5, verse 11. Let them shout for joy. Psalm chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Powerful scripture. It says, let, let all those that put their trust in it rejoice. Do you trust God? Yes, I do. If you don't trust God, then maybe you shouldn't rejoice. But I trust God. Bible says, trust in the Lord with all, all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, what do you do? You acknowledge him. And what will you do? You direct your path. Okay. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them shout for joy because you defend them. Why am I shouting? I trust him. Why am I shouting? He's my defender. Hallelujah. You are not my defender. Most of the time, when you need people to defend you, they run away. Is that not true? When things fall apart, when the center... When Okonkwo struck the first expatriate, what happened? Is he expatriate they called him? Or what is it? When he struck the first Oyibo man, what happened? He thought all the people had a hard meeting with him. They were behind him. By the time they saw Oyibo blood, they ran away. And he became estranged. But I have a God who will never abandon me. You know what he said? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the only one that can be with you 24-7. Glory to God. If that does not excite you, you have a special problem. Hallelujah. He said, because that defenders them, let them also that love thy name be what? Be joyful in thee. Hallelujah. No believer has any right, kindly, hard face. Glory to God. You should be all smile. You have more working for you than against you. Hallelujah. You have more standing for you than against you. If you believe it, jump up on your feet and shout glory to God. 
You need to change the atmosphere around your life. There's an atmosphere you will put around your life that will attract and allow demons to operate around you. They'll put nonsense around you. But there's an atmosphere you create and only the presence of God will have the say and the place in Jesus' name. Tell your neighbor, say, mind your atmosphere. Say, mind the atmosphere around your life. Glory to God. It says, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor will thou compass or surround him as with a shield. This has been accomplished in Christ. Say amen. amen. It's important you understand that. So we said that in order for us to understand the joyful life, there are two principles we need to understand. Number one, foundational truth, we already have joy. Say I have already joy. You don't ask God to give you joy. You release it. Glory to God. And that joy is located where? In your human spirit. Your born again spirit. Say I've got joy. I didn't hear you. Say, I've got joy. Say, I've got joy on the inside of me. Hallelujah. All right, joy is one of the fruit of the spirit. All right, number two, we said, in order for us to live the joyful life, which is one of the reasons many of us are not excited, we're living a very miserable life. We're allowing the situation and the circumstance to detect our excitement and our mood. I choose to let joy determine my mood. Look at the number and say, you can't spoil my joy. Because I will not give it to you. You know, there are some people, they are angry with you because you are happy. How many of you have seen people like that? They are just upset because you are happy. Why should you be happy? Why are you not frustrated like me? Why are you not miserable like me? You, you don't see me smile this morning. Why do they laugh around me? Come on, somebody say, you take my joy. Say that. Say to somebody, say, you can't take my joy. Some of you are too uptight this morning. You need to loosen up. Look at your neighbor. Say, you can't take my joy. Say, you cannot stop my joy. Say, I will rejoice whether you like it or not. Now, so we say, say, devil, you cannot stop my joy. I choose to rejoice. I choose to bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah! See, if you are going to live the joyful life, you need to divorce. You need to separate from some wrong lifestyle that you have adopted. You have to do that. You have to. If you don't, the joyful life won't kick in. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we said the second thing we need to do in order to live the joyful life is to identify and deal with joy extinguishers. Mm. Everybody say joy extinguishers. Yeah, there are joy extinguishers. Just like you have roadblocks to the life of faith, you also have roadblocks to a joyful life. Satan doesn't want you to live a joyful life. You know why? Because the joyful life is the grace zone. Remember we said that each of the fruit of the Spirit are grace characters. Is that not so? They are coming from grace. So when you are joyful, you are activating grace around you. You are flowing in the grace zone. And remember what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I am what I am by the grace of God. Hallelujah. So when you are joyful, you are flowing in the grace zone. And where grace speaks, the Bible says where grace abounds, his goodness will also abound. Hallelujah. So we said the first joy quencher or extinguisher is to be carnally minded. Is that not so? Yeah. What does it mean to be carnally minded? We say it means to walk in the flesh. To walk in the flesh. Now, what does walking in the flesh mean? It doesn't mean walking in meat or kwamo. No. Walking in the flesh 
It's a Greek word for that is translated walking according to your senses. Everybody say my senses. I didn't hear you. Because if I say let's praise God, your senses say why? He's looking for a reason to praise God. That's walking in the senses. You, are, you, you start behaving like, like Thomas, except I see. Why should I be happy? Why should I be happy? Tell me, tell me. Why should I be happy? What, what they mean to tell you is that they don't have physical evidence to back why they should obey God. But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by... It, it's not means to walk with positive thoughts. That's not faith. Faith is not positive thought. Faith is walking by the word of God. If God said it, it's my walk. Say amen. Did you hear what I said? If God said it, what is it? It's my walk, it's my life. If God said it in his word, it is what? It's my walk and it's my life. And it's also my joy. Say amen. Because the word of God is God's joy. Now, let me say this. There are some of you that are things that should have manifested in your life, but because you've not operated the joyful life, those things are pending in the spirit realm. Because God loves a cheerful giver. If you don't give joy, you won't receive. Are you listening to what I'm saying? See, the Holy Ghost is very particular about the kind of attitude we have. Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, he said, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Why? Because that's the atmosphere that keeps the flow of grace in your life. The moment you begin to allow things to happen, even if it's not, even if things happen the way you did not expect, it is still not enough ground for you to mess up your day. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Don't allow natural stuff to determine your joy because they can't give you joy. Number two, walking by the flesh is walking by your experiences, whether good or bad. My daughter came to me yesterday and said, Daddy, why, why is it that if the experience is good, we're not supposed to walk by them? And I said, what produced the experience? She said, the word. I said, good. It is the word that produced the experience. And I said, also, experiences vary. I said, you will notice Jesus didn't heal people the same way all the time. Is that not true? Different experiences, but produced by the one word. Say amen. I said, God chooses and determines the kind of experience. So even if you had a good experience, the experience cannot be a reference because it's just a product. Do you understand that? It is the word that produces the experience. So the emphasis must always be the word. Did you hear what I said? You, you can't base your flow with God on a moment. Don't do that. Moments, they come and go. But the word of God abides forevermore. Say amen. amen. Are you still with me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we said the third thing that about walking in the flesh is walking according to the falling system of the world. Many of you are waiting for the world to give you joy. You're expecting that the world will give you joy when you walk the system. And so when you're walking, you're, you're more committed in your office than you are in the house of God because you believe that that ogre, you must please him to the point. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but you've put your faith in him that you must so you will you will go to his funny church for his dedication so that when he does a praise for you, he will know that you came for his dedication. That, that's why he's following all those nonsense. Because you don't want him to mark you down. Because you believe your promotion is tied to him. The word, listen, listen to me. The word system can't favor you. Did you hear what I said? It can't. It cannot favor you. I, I, I worked for almost 10 years before God told me to resign. I worked under a boss for, for three years. He kept marking me 40%. What did I say? How many percent? 40%. In fact, he makes up his mind what to give you before the appraiser. So no matter what you do, he will, bring, he will look for something somewhere 
to bring you under that. Is that what should determine your joy? Whether they promote you in the office or not. Is that what will determine your joy? Ah, your journey is foul. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you, title is your problem. Title. Everybody say title. Yes. When they call you, they say, why are you calling my name? Put honorable. Put, I am honorable Henry. <laughs> I'm honorable Henry. This is Add chief. Honorable chief. Mm-hmm. That's how you should be calling me. Is that your problem? Your journey is far. Hallelujah. If you are waiting for titles and status, that's why people go and join club. They join meetings. They want to tie rappers, same rapper like students, school. Say, my wife, my husband, they smoke we our meeting, they smoke we bring rapper. Then you now all of you will now wear clothes like uniform in the school. And we're walking around the street. So 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 union. Then they will not be fighting the union who will be president and who will be secretary. Then if you didn't win, you will not tie half of the people inside your stomach. You are a miserable person. <laughs> that cannot give you joy. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Whether you get a position or not. Because you know the reason why many of us are looking to the world to give us joy? Because we think our promotion comes from the world. It does not. Except you don't know the word of God. The Bible says promotion comes not from the east, west, north, or the south. Where does it come from? From God, who has the power to lift up one and to bring the other down. Brothers and sisters, it is my prayer that your focus will be right in Jesus' name. I can tell if your focus is right by the way you are responding, by the way you carry yourself, by the way you talk about yourself. Because if your mood is always sad and your looking mood, somebody will look at you and say something. Have you seen some people when you say, Bless you something now. Then, instead of you to say good morning, you know what you say? Are you okay? Have you seen people like that? They just come and say, are you okay? So, then you say, why? No, not, not the way you just, the way you do your face. They think, say, something is wrong. May nobody turn your name to, are you okay? Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? May nobody turn your face to what? Are you okay? God forbid. You think Jesus was like that? And the disciples followed him. It wasn't just only anointing. There was a courage of joy that Jesus had. That's why children could run to him. Many of you have resigned your, your face, your attitude to the natural system of the world. And if they trace the reason why you're behaving, it's not, it's kind of things. Everybody say kind of things. It's not heavenly things, so kana, kana. If it's not money, it is, you're believing God for a baby. The baby has not come yet. If it's not that position in the office, pastor. Then even when you come, say, say pastor, pray. I want all my Iroko tree in my office to fall down so that God will lift me to where it's all natural, natural stuff. That's all. And people who allow natural stuff to define their joy won't last because joy doesn't come from there. Hallelujah. Are you still here? All right, today we're going to look at the second joy extinguisher. Write this down. This is very powerful. And I need you to pay particular attention. Somebody say, God is good. All right. Joy extinguisher number two, you must identify and deal with so that it doesn't stop or quench your joy is the roadblock of lack of fellowship with God. Lack of fellowship with God. Lack of fellowship with God. What does it mean of fellowship with God? Lack of spending time with God. Spending time with God. We live in a society, it's a fallen society, 
And the system of the world will never respect your spiritual religion. Your job will not respect the fact whether you are born in. Maybe you may be privileged to have a boss who knows Jesus or knows God. But sometimes, most of the time, some of us work in places where the people, they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. So they don't understand anything about God, about the word, about your relationship with God, and that. So, so their own is do the job that they employed you for and we know our problem. Is that not so? Yeah, that's the system we live in. And, and sometimes if we don't know how to manage our time and manage the way we organize our time, our fellowship with God will suffer. And there's a consequence to that. There are many of us when we wake up in the morning, we just get up and pick our, take our dress, you know, dress up, prepare, eat, and off. We're going to the office. We don't even have time to talk to God. Nothing. We don't have time. And, and it affects us even when we come to church because you can tell people whose private flow with God is suffering by how they connect when they come for corporate prayers. Because if your personal flow with God is suffering, it will affect your corporate flow in the assembly. You'll be disconnected very fast. Hallelujah. All right, everybody say lack of fellowship with the Father. I didn't hear you. Everybody say that. Now, many believers are tense today. I use the word tense and stressed and also distracted because they have no active fellowship with their Heavenly Father. They are tensed, they are stressed, and they are distracted because they don't have an active fellowship life with their Heavenly Father. What does it mean to fellowship? When we say fellowship with God, what does it mean? Let me use the Bible to explain that. Write this down. To fellowship simply means to have intimacy with God. To have what? intimacy with God. That word intimate means closeness. Closeness. Everybody say closeness. So what does that tell you? Not every one of us is close to God. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I thought the Bible says, greater is it that is in me. Yes, he's in you, but are you close to him? Something can be in you and you will not give it attention. Is that not true? Am I talking to someone here? Ask your neighbor, how close are you to God? Intimacy means closeness with God, closeness. And that is what is lacking today in many believers' life. We come to church and we, some of us would drum ourselves in activities. I, I don't want our church to be a church where we're only given to activity, but our personal privacy with God is suffering. Our church has a reasonable fair level of activity. There are some churches you have activity from Monday to Sunday. But you need to understand what determines every other thing in your relationship with God is your intimacy with God. Everybody say intimacy with God. Let me use three words, and I'm going to say that again. I said many believers are tensed. Everybody say tense. You know what it means to be tensed? Tension. Everybody say tension. Yeah, tension. They are tensed. Then number two, they are also stressed. And as a result, they become distracted. So even when they come to church, they are not completely there. If, they, if you ask them what was preached, they, they look like they are hearing me, but they are not hearing me. What they are listening to is the distraction inside their heart. How they will figure one or two things out. That's what they are thinking about. They cannot give absolute focus to the word. Why? Because their personal intimacy with God is lacking. When, sometimes when they see people rejoicing and they are they're like, what's wrong with them? Why are they, why are they jumping like they are overdoing these things though? All right? So what does fellowship mean? We said intimacy with God. Now, what does intimacy or closeness with God mean? Hebrew chapter 4, verse 16. Quickly. Hebrew chapter 4 and verse number 16. Hebrew chapter 4 
and verse number 16. Hallelujah. Yeah. Are we there? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16. What does it say? I'm going to explain some words in that verse. It says, let us. Everybody say, let us. Yeah. Say with me. Say, the invitation is open to all. I didn't hear everybody. I need us to participate so I, I, I know you're following me. Say, the invitation is open to all. Say, the invitation of, to closeness with God is open to all. Look at your neighbor or somebody close to you. Say, how close you are to God is determined by you. Hallelujah. How close you are to God, how intimate you are with God is determined by you. It's not determined by anybody. It's not determined by anybody but you. Now, it says, let us therefore come. Everybody say, come. So the invitation is open to what? Everybody. Come, come to where? The word come means to draw near. The word comes means to draw near or to approach. Glory to God. It's talking about closeness. Closeness is different from relationship. You see, the day you got born again, you became spiritually related to God. You became joined with him as one spirit. But please understand this. The fact that you are born again does not mean you are close to God. Did you hear what I said? Hello? Are you listening to me? You build closeness through intimacy. By coming to God. He says, let us come. So when we are intimate, we'll come or we draw. Draw to what? He said, come boldly. Boldly unto what? The throne of grace. What is the throne of grace? The throne of grace is Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The throne of grace is the Father. The throne of grace is the Holy Spirit. So when we say come boldly to the throne of grace, it means draw near or draw close to the Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Draw close to the Father. Many of us don't realize how powerful that is and how blessed we are as a generation and a church. In the Old Testament, they couldn't come close to God. Only the priest and the high priest. The priest could only minister in the outer court. The high priest could only come into the very presence of God once a year. How many times? Once a year. But because of Jesus, the middle wall of partition has been broken. And the invitation has been given to all who believe in Christ to come into the very presence of God. And you know the amazing thing? God, to be so close to you, decided to live inside you. Hallelujah! So, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in tabernacles that were made with human hands. But in the New Testament, you and I have become the living tabernacle of God. The Bible says we are the temple of God. Can you imagine God shift his residence from tabernacles made with hands and decide to put it inside you and me? Tell the number, say, God lives in me. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. Take time to seal that. Meditate on that. God lives in me. He lives in me. I am the temple of God. I am not the shrine. There's an old English word called fane. F-A-N-E. I am not the fane or the shrine of God. The residency of God is where? 
in me. God lives in me. And the reason God did that is because he wants to be close to me and you. The reason God lives in me and you is because he wants to be what? Wants to be close to me and you. And, and you can imagine, the one who lives in us, many of us don't know him. We're not familiar with him because we don't get close to him. So to be close or to develop intimacy is to draw close to the one who lives in us. Why do we do that? Because when we're intimate with God, the Bible says we will obtain. Everybody say obtain. The word obtain means to take, to carry away. Mercy. What does mercy mean? Kindness and goodwill. I like to see mercy as God's kindness and goodwill. And he says, and also find grace to help. Grace is God's divine influence or divine favor that he puts on you. So there is a, there's an impartation of mercy and grace that follows the one who is close to God. That's when, you, when a man is close to God, you will know. And the degree to which you are close to God will determine the degree to which his presence will manifest in your life. That's why no two believers operate on the same level. There are some believers you can easily touch them and beat them. But there are some you can't. If you come close to them, the closeness they have with God has generated some presence around them that if you try to touch them, something will happen to you. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah. But there are some other believers that will just die like chicken. Why? Because even though God lives in them, they are not close to God. They've not activated the wealth of his presence in their life. That's why you see many believers today, they are still oppressed. They are still harassed by the enemy. Why? Because they are not close to the one who lives inside them. Actually, but are you close to God? Glory to God. Second scripture, James chapter 4 verse 7. What does it mean to be intimate with God? James 4, 7. He said, submit yourself to God. I, I, therefore to God. You know, you know, when I was looking at the scriptures, one of the things that became very clear to me is that submission to God is not automatic. Hello? We are not all submitted to God by default. You know why? Because submission involves the engagement of your mind, your will, and your emotion. That part of you determines where you, what you focus on. And most of us, our mind is not in God. Our mind is in something else. Our mind, our will, our emotion is not in God. It's not God that determines our excitement. It is something else. That shows the level of your closeness with God. You can always tell a believer who is close to God. His language will tell you. His lifestyle will tell you. What he says will tell you. You can also tell a believer that is not very close to God. You will see, when they, when they quote the scripture, there's no grace inside. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's as if, I think it's in the place, it's somewhere in that place in the Bible now. I think the Bible, they, they, they'll be talking to somebody who is not sure of what they're saying. Why? Because the closeness is not there. So their flow with God is on the arena of guesses. Those kind of believers, when they go through crisis, they withdraw. Because they don't know God. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. Do you know him? Do you know him? And you can only know him when you spend time with him. So he says, submit yourself. The word submit yourself, if you can write this, it will help you. It means to bring under or to yield. 
To submit yourself means to bring under or to yield. So when it says submit yourself therefore to God, it means yield yourself to God. Are you yielded? Yielding to God is not automatic. It's a decision you make every day. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6. Say yield yourself and your members to God. We are not automatically yielded to God. We choose to yield to God every day. Every time you choose to draw near to God, you are choosing to yield to him. You're giving him attention and you're giving him recognition. Yield your, submit yourself to God. And one of the Greek words for that word, yield yourself or submit yourself, means a voluntary attitude of giving in. A voluntary attitude of giving in. God will never, I want to make a very powerful statement and I need you to listen to that. And may you get this. God will never make you spend time with him. What did I say? Repeat that again. One more time. It is you that will decide it. You know why? Because you're not a robot. You have a will. It will never make. God will not force you. How many of you woke up one morning then, as you opened your eyes, you saw seven angels? And they said, oh, yeah, Nida. Yeah, start to pray. Has that happened to you before? I would like to know you if, you, if that happens to you. God will not. And, and you will not wake up one morning and you will see Angel Mike and say, pick your Bible and read it now. How many of you have seen it like that before? It doesn't work. I wish it was like that. It doesn't work like that. God says, submit yourself. You are the one to yield yourself to God. God will not make you come to church. He won't. He won't kick against your will. Why, why is it that sometimes when we pray for people, it takes time for sending things to work out? Is it because God's power cannot help them? No. It's because they are making choices that are going against your prayer. There's no much amount of prayer you pray for somebody that wants to die. God can't reach the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? If the person wants to die, praying for the person to live is useless. Why? Because two cannot work together except they what? Agree. If you want to live a broke life, God will respect your choice to be broke. Yes, he has given you wealth in Christ, but if he's not speaking, it's not his fault. God will not make you spend time with him. When I understood that, it helped me. He won't force you. He won't force you to spend time to pray. He won't force you to read your Bible. It's your choice. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Glory to God. Submit yourself to him. He said, therefore to God, then resist the devil and what will happen? Now, the word resist, it's not something you say. The word resist is a lifestyle. What did I say? You know, not say I resist you, Satan. Uh -uh. That word resist means to stand, to demonstrate a stand that constantly refuses to allow Satan to have a say and a place in your life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That's what word resist. So resist is not just something you do with your mind, it's a lifestyle word. It is something you do with your attitude, with your manner of life. A man who is always submitted to God and draws close to God is telling the devil, you've got no place for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got no place in my life. You've got no place in my family. You've got no place in the things that concerns me. That's what it means. When he says submit or yield yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee. 
But if you are not submitted to God and you are not yielded to God, then you will give place to the devil. It's like a de facto thing. God will not, listen, listen to me and listen to me very well. God will not make you do anything you do not want to do. He will educate you from the word, but he will not make you do anything that you don't want to do. Never. When it's in your will. Let, let me ask you, can you imagine a husband and a wife that are living in the same house, or even children? If anytime the husband wants attention, he's always calling the wife. After a while, will the man be tired or not? Will you not be tired? Eh? You will want your wife to come to you. You will want your husband to come to you. Is that not so? If every time you do as if you are going to, if you want to talk to your wife, it's as if you are going to look for contract in ministry. You will not submit bid. You will not wait. You will not do phone call to follow up. Then you will not find out what's going on. Will you enjoy that kind of relationship? Eh? If you always have to beg your wife for attention, say smile now. Nah. Eh? You know they smile. Smile. That's a miserable relationship. Because each of them, if they truly love one another, they would take the initiative to love one another. That's why love is not a feeling. Love is what? A choice. When you say I love you, what it simply means that I love you with your baggage. Because love covereth a multitude of transgressions. That's what it means. But if you have to beg your wife for attention, Beg your husband for attention. That something is wrong. There's no closeness. That's how some of us are with God. You know the reason why you pray the way you pray and there's no confidence in your prayer? No closeness. No closeness. So you've not generated the grace or the confidence. You know, someone says, someone says I know God. I remember the story that Pastor Ayo gave years ago that he invited someone to come and preach from the U.S., and when they got to Morita Morabe Airport that time, this was sometime in the 80s, and they now found that the driver that brought them, that left, took one of his bag that contained some of his vital documents away. And then they didn't have a mobile phone, so you couldn't track or call for anybody. So Pastor said he became frantic, he became worried, he became troubled. Hey, which kind of wahala be this? Have you seen people that try to be worried for other people? Tell them, never say bad job. Some of you will carry other people's stress and wear it, use it to sew boba and wear on your head. Tie scarves off. Some of you use it to sew designer and wear. Be worrying for somebody else. You say, well, this is my father. I just finished talking to him to the phone. I didn't like the way his voice is. Sad. <laughs> why are you crying? Tell me, why are you crying? It's bad manners. Bad spiritual manners. It means there's a problem with your closeness with God. If you hear the way your father spoke and you felt is, what do you do? Say, Daddy, let me pray for you. You bring God's presence into his life. Is that not so? You don't go down. <laughs> What's wrong with you? It's nonsense. Stop it. Wasting resources. So I spoke to my mother today. He told me, say, leg the pain now. Hey, Jesus, last month we went to the hospital. Hey, you, don't, you don't know God. Those who know God don't talk like Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong. And they shall do what? You do exploit. What's the proof you know God? You will perform. Say amen. amen. 
you perform, you do exploit. You don't get moved by situation, you speak to it. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be that removed and be that cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he said shall come to pass. What will happen? He shall have whatsoever he said. You don't cry. Those who are close to God are not intimidated by natural things. Why do you think David had the confidence to confront Goliath? Because he was close to God. So, finally, but Ayo said, Pastor Ayo said something. He said he noticed this guy the guy was normal. He was just smiling. That made it worse for him. How he could smile when something like this they happen? Why? Why could he smile? So finally, somehow, the driver went somewhere and saw the bag. After this was like some one or two hours. And, and drove back and to track them. And he now saw them. And he gave them the bag. The guy thanked him. <laughs> I said, please, excuse me. I watched you for almost two hours. You were never worried. You were never frantic. You were never disturbed. You did not. You know what he said to him? That word stayed with me. I heard this thing more than almost 30 years ago. He said, no. He said, I know he brought me here. And I also know he will take me back. He said, I don't need to worry. Simple word. That's a product of intimacy with God. Those who are close to God, they don't worry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Glory to God. Say amen. amen. Are you still with me? He says, submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If you are not yielded to God, you'll be yielded to the enemy. You'll be yielded to distraction. You'll be yielded to tension. You'll be yielded to stress. Well, you're not yielded to God. That's what happened. Because either you're close to God or you're close to yourself. And if you're close to yourself and close to stuff, you will be stressed, you will be tensed, and you'll be distracted. Somebody say, I hear you. Somebody say, I hear you. Say, I hear you. Are you still with me? All right. So, lack of fellowship with God. I want you to write some things I'm about to say. What happened to my this thing now? Hallelujah. Okay. Good. Many are too busy today to spend time with God. Too busy. And I pray you are not in that association. Did you hear what I said? Association of busy. Busy, 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 busy. They're always busy. Busy for everything except God. They have fallen for the deception of business. They have only made time for personal stuff and pursuit, but no time to fellowship with God. No wonder their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotion is lean. Have you seen a kwashoko person before? Eh? Big head, stick neck, swollen tummy, stick legs, and stick hands. Have you seen them before? That's a kwashoko looking person. It is a state. That, 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 that picture is a state of unhealthiness. It's as a result of lack of vital nutrients or starvation. Not just lack of vital nutrients. I think it's more of starvation because when you starve, you lack vital nutrients. So when you see someone with it means the person is starving. He's not having enough food. And it's not eating well and it's not eating healthy. Your soul will be lean and kwashoko. Your mind, your thinking in God will be lean. The way you think about God will be lean and shallow because you don't spend time with God. The way you see God will be lean and shallow because you don't spend time with God. You'll be looking at God through what people say. You'll be trying to determine the ability of God by what they're saying on the news because your soul is lean. Lean and burdened with concerns. Let me give you a picture of the soul of many believers who lack fellowship with God. Everybody go to Isaiah chapter 17 verse 4. 
When you lack fellowship with God, this is what happens to your soul. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 4. Please, I want you to, not to miss this. Everybody go. Isaiah 17, verse 4. Okay, it's not there. Look at what happens to the soul of those who don't spend time with God. Are you there? Isaiah 17, 4. What did he say? And in that day, it shall come to pass. What will happen? The glory of Jacob shall be made thin. The Bible says Christ in you is the hope of glory. But the glory is manifesting in thin, thin, thin dimension. Thin measures. Because your soul is lean. You're not close to God. The things of God are not your appetite. You have a pinch, a, a touch of, a pinch of salt. That's what they call it. A pinch of salt kind of relationship. Your attachment to God is very weak. Because you're not fellowshipping with God. He said the glory of Jacob shall be thin. And the fatness, the word fatness means the prosperity of his flesh shall wax lean. That's why you see believers, they carry this great God, but yet they manifest thin and lean. They manifest thin and lean because their intimacy with God is shallow. The glory of Jacob has become thin. The fatness has become lean. Why? Because they don't spend time with God. When they speak, there's no weight in their words. There's no persuasion. There's no conviction. There's no assurance. Why? Because they don't spend time with God. Hallelujah. Hear me? There is no contentment and joy flow in the lives of those who lack an active fellowship with God. There's no joy. No, that's why you can't fake carrying God's presence. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You can't fake it. There's a guy who spoke during mommy's birthday. He's a medical doctor. His name is Dr. Fulos. We've spent uh, a day with him in his family in Benin. Almost 30 years ago, I went to pray in Uniben. And I didn't remember. There's someone I knew from Saple who through him I got to Uniben and they happened to stay in the same room. And this guy, Fulos, is very perceptive in the spirit. I didn't know this. That's why I decided to get close to him. He said, I will never forget. You remember when he was talking to my mom, he spoke about it. He said, I will never forget when you walked into the room. He said, I saw fire over you. And I said, what kind of human being is walking and fire is falling? Tell the neighbor, say, it's closeness with God. It's not because I'm a preacher. No. Hebrew 1.14 says he makes his ministers flames of fire. Many of you, your fire is not showing. You know why? Because your soul is lean. No time with God. No time with God. No time with God. Hear me. This is very important. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 16 verse 11, in your presence, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of what? Of joy. And at your right hand there are what? Pledges forevermore. We carry God's presence on the inside. God lives in us. We carry God's presence on the inside because we are the temple of God. I've said that. However, that presence, for that presence to speak, please listen to this. If you get nothing from this message, get this. We all carry God's presence on the inside because we are the temple of God. Say, I am the temple of God. Say, I am the temple of God. We all carry God's presence because we're the temple of God. However, for that presence that is on the inside, the presence of God is God himself. For that presence to speak and manifest in our lives, we must fellowship with God. We must spend time with God. Go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. 
Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. We must spend time with God. Do you spend time with him? When you do not spend time with God, your pursuit of God will be academic. There will be no life. There will be no grace flow. Your reading the Bible will be like reading a book. No flow of life. Your fellowship with God will not be active. Philippians 4 verse 9. Are you there? He said, those things which you have both learned and received. See, you can learn something and not receive it. And receive and heard and seen in me. Paul was telling them, it's not just what I've taught you. I've also lived it. I've also demonstrated it. You have seen in me. What did he say? Do. Is that not what he said? Are you paying attention? What did he say? Do. Then what is the result of the do? And the God of Shalom shall be with you. See, he's in you, but he wants to be with you. And, and, and you can only give him permission to be with you. He's for you, but he wants to be with you. For you means your interest, my interest is your interest. We belong to the same, the same thing. I'm not against you. I am for you. But he wants to be with you. All this kindergarten time you spend with God, two minutes, five seconds, prayer. You won't know God that well. You will be a Christian for 10 years and you will not know anything about God. When crises show up, you will, just be, you will be surprised the way you will act. A guy that was married to someone because she used to be in a fellowship. And according to her, he was his, she, the guy was his convert, somebody got married, which for me is a bad idea. So they went through a terrible time. Not knowing that part of the reasons probably got converted was because he liked the girl. So they went through a crisis, very tough time. He lost his job. And usually, when you go through a storm or a dry season, those are testing seasons of faithfulness. Faithfulness to the word of God, whether you believe God's word and you will stand by the word of God, irrespective of what you're facing. But if your attachment to God is fake, it will expose your vanity and your deception and your hypocrisy. And when that crisis came, guess what happened? He got angry. He said, God does not answer prayer. And he stopped going to church. He started smoking and he started drinking. And started beating the wife. So when she told me, I said, you said it was your convert. He said, yes. I said, okay. That's why it's a bad idea to marry your convert. Did you hear what I said? Bad idea. Because you may never know why I got born again. Did you hear what I said? I'm a pastor. I know what I'm talking about. Paul said, the things you have seen in me, do. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace is the manifestation of God's presence. The evidence that the presence of God in you is manifesting in your life is peace. Everybody say peace. Peace of God will be there. It will, Bible says, and the, and the peace of God will garrison your mind and your heart in Christ. That's what we lack. Once you spend time with God, one of the things that will follow you, you will carry his manifestation of his presence, which is his peace. Let me say this as I begin to round up. Fellowship is cultivating intimacy through the attention of prayer. Prayer is giving attention to God. Say that. Say that one more time. See, when you talk to people and you, you sit down, you are spending time with them because you are giving attention to them. Is that not true? 
Yeah, that's why you call somebody and say, my bestie. Why are you calling your bestie? Because you spend time talking. Similarly, when you give God attention through prayer, you're cultivating intimacy with him. God wants vital contact with him. He knows he's your father. He knows he's inside of you, but he wants you to fellowship with him. He loves to fellowship with us. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. Thus, when we lack active fellowship with God, our perspective of life, the way we look at life, are you with me? Our point of view of life will become corrupted with stress. We will not be using what we are going through to look at God and to ascertain who God is, his ability and what he can do in our life. We stop seeing through his presence and we start seeing through our stress. Complaining, write this down, is evidence of seeing through stress. When you complain, you're not seeing through his presence. You're seeing through your stress. Complaining is evidence of sin through stress. This is what happened to Mary, to Martha, when Jesus came into their house. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.